for the rest of us, let's take our Bibles. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter uh, 9. Luke chapter 9. And uh, I encourage you if you, have a, if you have a Bible with you to open it. If you have your cell phone, go ahead, fire up the Bible app, read along with us, follow along. Again, we believe that God's Word uh, directs our hearts, our lives, our steps, so that we might be the followers uh, He's calling us to be. Well, we are going to continue our series, Made by Following. And it's the recognition that, that God wants to do something in and through our lives, and it requires more than just sitting and listening. It, it's really about being an active follower of Jesus. So our mission as a church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We, we recognize that God has given us a sacred mission. He says this in Matthew chapter 28, Go and make disciples of all nations. And we believe that we have a mandate to invite people to experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ, and, and not just so that they hear the message, but their hearts might bend to it. They might yield their lives to Jesus Christ and follow Him. Because in following Him, we find forgiveness of sins, we find life, we find joy, we find peace, we find the life that we are created for. And so part of this whole idea is, is that, you know what, how do we become these followers of Christ? Well, we're made by following. In life, sometimes we have been made to follow, but we recognize God is trying to do something in us, and so we recognize we are being made by following. It was Jesus who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's what we want to do. We want to follow Jesus. Well, a couple of weeks ago when we started, we talked about aligning with Christ because it, it is the following of Jesus that is making us. Last week, we talked about changing our mindsets. And we saw that Jesus challenges our mindset to change the trajectory of our lives. Well, today I want to talk about stretching our faith. And so I brought a couple rubber bands. How many love rubber bands? How many of you are like a kid at heart still? Come on now. Pat, you're, where's your hand? <laughs> Pat, are you a kid at heart still? This is so much fun. How many of you, when you were a kid, you got a rubber band and it became like adults are boring with these. They like wrap things up. But how many know they're not meant to wrap things up? They're meant to like, sh who said shoot? Yeah, you, you know all about it, don't you, Dwayne? You pull that sucker back and let it go, right? We can have lots of fun with this one. Uh, it, it's kind of fun. So as, as a child, how many of you made, like in my house growing up, we weren't allowed to have guns. And so we would use our fingers with elastic bands. How many would do this one, right? And we'd fire that one. And then, now there are more, no kids in the room, right? Okay, if you're a kid in the room, <laughs> now they're playing in church. This is dangerous. I knew it would be dangerous. If there are kids in the room, just cover your ears. Because how many of you would use elastic bands to fire projectiles? Right? Like, <clears throat> paper clips. <clears throat> we would take them. Spit wad. You fired stuff with spit wads with an elastic band? You're good. Right? But, but we, would, we would take things and we'd put it and we'd fire it at one another. And we would take Legos and we'd make guns just so that we could uh, stretch it and fire it. And one of the things I believe is I believe that God loves to stretch us in order that he might set some things in motion. You know, a, a, an elastic band doesn't do a whole lot until it's stretched. 
And if you can get, if you can begin to stretch it, it, it can begin to create energy and it can begin to move and motivate. It can begin to set things in motion. And what I believe that God longs to do in your life and mine is to stretch our faith that he might set things in motion. You see, if our faith is never stretched, what gets accomplished? If, if our faith is not kind of tugged on at times, if, if there's not that little bit of tension, how do things get set in motion? And I believe that God grows us by stretching our faith and challenging us. Now, I was a youth pastor, and I loved to challenge young people when I was a youth pastor. I still do this as an, as an older man. I, I still love to challenge people and kind of push them a little bit. But when I was a youth pastor, I remember we went to the, a, fire, a fire tower in Nebraska. And it was on the bluff overlooking the Platte River. And uh, having my kids climb to the top. Now, for some, it was no problem because they're young and dumb. And they just run up. Ah! But then there were others. The moment that you got just a little bit off the ground, and you saw how high you were going, you got just a little bit scared. How many here have some issues with heights? Yeah, th these are the people. You should see Pastor Dwayne on a scaffold. It's a beautiful thing. As he goes up, he goes down. It's this, this odd paradox. He just kind of gets lower and lower as he climbs. It's beautiful. But, but, but height, and I remember as a youth pastor just challenging my kids, I need you to get to the top. And I had kids, and, and so this is the terrible, mean youth pastor I was. I had kids crying on the stairs. I can't do it. I'm like, you can do it. Come on, take the next step. And they go up and up. And we finally got to the top of it, and they had bar uh, barbed wire. They had uh, chain link. <laughs> they had barbed wire. And we pushed them over. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was, it was ghetto, right? No, no, it was, it was a chain link fence at the top, and it was six feet high. And I remember these kids, because the higher you get, the lower some of them went, because they're all like, freaked out, standing in the middle, and I'm like, I need every one of, I need every kid to stand at least one arm length from the fence. And I remember our kids just melting, like we had kids melting. But what was so amazing is all of our kids, there was one kid that didn't do it because her mom was a Karen, but. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? But that's what she was. I don't even think her name was Karen. What was her name? Anyways, should have been Karen. But, they, but, but, but it, was, it was one of those things. But every one of my kids went up, and they, every one of the kids in the youth group went up, standing at the top of this tower, this fire tower, on the edge of this huge bluff looking down. They went out, and they touched their hands. And I watched as these different children, these kids, stretched themselves to stand up there. Something began to change in them. And once we got back down to level ground, all these kids were like, let's do it again. And part of the thing that I have found with humans, people, is that many times we end up limiting ourselves. That when it comes to life and challenge, we just kind of go and we live and we move in the places that are comfortable and easy and familiar. And we never really get stretched. And I believe that God, when he is making us or in our making, in this following of Jesus, 
that what Jesus does is he challenges us and he stretches us. Now again, some of you, climbing a high height is not a challenge at all. But for some it is. And I think no matter who you are in this journey, there is something that Jesus wants to challenge us with and, and, and cause us to grow because in stretching us, he can begin to set something in motion. So as we look at this idea of stretching our faith this morning, our faith grows as we allow Jesus to stretch our serving. And that's the area we're going to kind of look. We're going to look at, a, at, at an amazing story. It's one of my favorite stories uh, in the Gospels. And, and what I love about it is, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it is the only miracle of Jesus outside the resurrection that is recorded in all four Gospels. Like, this is how big this story and this event was, that, that, that it, it, it didn't matter who the author of the, the gospel was. They're like, going, no, this one needs to be included because this is so important. And many times we hear the story from the perspective of, of the crowd, but I want us to see it from the perspective of the follower of Jesus. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And it is, I believe, recounted in each of the Gospels because it is such an important story for growing and stretching our faith. So let me ask you, how many are ready to have your faith stretched a little bit this morning? How many know stretch involves a little bit of tension? How many are ready for a little tension this morning? You're like, how many came to church this morning for tension? Some of you are like, I came for rest. I got enough tension outside the church. But I believe that God wants to grow our faith, and so that means we're going to experience a little tension. So I may some, say a few things that might challenge and stretch you a bit. Allow God to use His Word to grow our life. So we're going to begin in verse 10. That it says this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then He took them with Him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethesda. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Now, as we go through the story, I want to I highlight a few different important ideas from the story. The first is simply this, that Jesus' care for people is demonstrated through his actions. Now, as we begin the story, there's actually story, some backstory that's going on that is important for us to kind of understand where, where the disciples are going to find themselves. So Jesus had told his disciples, he had sent them out, and they'll be called apostles in this, and an apostle is one who is sent out with a mission or a commission. And the disciples are sent out to, to take this message of Jesus to, to, to the towns and communities around them. They go out two by two, and they are sharing and, and, and teaching about Jesus. They're doing all these things, and they come back to report to Jesus what they had been doing. And, and they've, been, they've been working and they've been serving. They've been going different places and experiencing different things. Now, on top of it, Jesus has just also gotten word that his cousin, who we know as John the Baptist, he had been arrested by King Herod and ultimately was beheaded by him. And Jesus had just gotten news that, 
that his cousin is dead and, 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 and for him it's, it's, it's a matter of loss, but not just a matter of loss, it's a recognition that, you know what, that the same spirit of animosity that, that brought about John the Baptist's death is the same animosity and hatred that's going to bring about his own death. And so it says that the disciples and Jesus, they, they come back together and they withdraw. And there's this aspect that they're kind of tired, that they're a little overwhelmed, they're a little burdened. Now, how many of you have ever been in the place where you're a little bit tired? And you're just like, I got to get away from people. I, I know that there are people, people in the room, you love people, but there are times you're like, I got to just step away from people. You just, you've had enough of people. You love people, but sometimes you just need space from people. Can I get a witness on this one? And all the introverts in the room are like going, I just like to stay away from people, right? But, but you know how it is with people. How many know people can be a little draining and a little tiring at times? And I'm sure the disciples, as they come back, they've been working, they've been doing all these things. They're like going, okay, now I'm tired. And then on top of that, we get this news. And it's just like, what are we supposed to do? We just need to get away for some rest. I just need some time because I'm done. Anybody here have moments where you just feel like you're done? Like put a fork in it. Just done. Yet, as Jesus and the disciples withdraw, the crowds hear about it. And they begin to flock to Jesus. And I love what it says. It says that Jesus welcomed them. And the word that's for welcome them is to accept gladly. Like, like he was really glad that they were there to receive joyfully. Mark would describe it this way, that he had compassion. That part of this reception was the fact that, that as he saw the crowds, he had incredible compassion for them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus is like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't ignore these people. I need to serve them. And so it says he, he taught them. But then it says he all, it also says that he healed them. That he was aware and concerned about their brokenness and did, did what he could to bring healing. And the word that's used there for healing is actually the word that, that, that where we get our English word therapy. Like he was just like, I, I care about the hearts and lives of these people. And I want to bring healing. I want to bring health. I want to bring life to them. And so he begins to teach them. And I just want you to see in this that Jesus' care for people is demonstrated through his action. But not only that, he begins to challenge his own disciples to get in the game. It says this in verse 12, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away. Everybody say, send the crowd away. Send them away, Lord, right? And why? Because they have noble hearts, right? Send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. Now, I, I love this because you have this crowd and the excitement and, and all this coming to Jesus and there's energy and just so you know, it's not a small group of people. We'll get to the end and we'll find out there were 5,000 men that had become a part 
this crowd, plus women and children. So some people speculate there could be up to 15,000 people. They're kind of coming around, hanging out around Jesus. And, and you could just imagine the atmosphere of, of excitement and, and all these different things. And, and, and the disciples, you know, with, with good hearts are helping Jesus. But as, as the day gets along, they're like going, you know what? It's time to send the people away. It's getting late. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I see myself as a disciple at times. And, and, and I can hear the send the crowd away. And, and there's noble intent, right? So that they might f- find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. But I also hear that part of me that says, Lord, send them away because I'm tired. I just done all this other stuff. We've come in. We've got this burden. We've got this stuff. They've come. They've kind of interrupted the day. We've served them. Now send them away. And Jesus is like, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You know, as I look at this story, I think there's this really important idea is that there are only some lessons we learn as we serve and as we go. See, in, in, in the way we often do church, it kind of looks what, like what we're doing this morning. You come and sit, I stand and speak, and then when he's done somewhere around 12-ish, we go. And we're like, wow, wasn't church great today? That preacher's amazing. At least that's what my mom says, right? Oh, so good. Hi, Mom. Uh, anyways, so, so you know, you, you, have, you have this moment, but, but there's so much about this journey of faith that you never learn simply by sitting. The only place you can discover it is actually while you're serving, even if you're a little busy and you're a little done. And I love how the disciples respond because Jesus is like, hey, guys, these people don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they're like going, hey, um, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. Like, this is all we have. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, we're familiar with this story, so we know where it's all going to turn out. But I want you to know that how often in our lives, as Jesus begins to challenge our hearts and our lives to move in places of serving other people, that we're like going, but, but, but Lord, we only have five loaves, two fish. And I think it's interesting because the disciples saw their scarcity. And I think it's not too much different than us because how many of us, when it comes to the issue of serving, we're going, oh, I would so love to do that, but I don't have time. I don't have time for it. Do you know how busy my life is? I just got like a few moments in my life. How can I serve? I don't have enough time. Some of you might say, how can I serve? I don't have enough resource. Like I'm not the smartest you know, you know, I was the, the smartest person in the room, the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not the brightest bulb. I, I can't speak to people. I, I can't, like, 
I only have five loaves and two fish. Like, what, what, what can I bring? Jesus is like, no, I, I, I want you to feed people. I, I want you to give them something to eat. But our mindset, we see what we have and we allow it to begin to limit us. We only have five loaves, two fish. I believe that God wants to stretch us to serve beyond the level of our limits. I want you to hear that again. I believe that God wants us to serve, wants us to serve beyond the level of our limits. See, the disciples were concerned about the little they had. They did not have in mind what God can do with just a little. How many got, know that God can do a whole lot with just a little? And what is he waiting for? It's the little. So many times we, 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 we don't step into the area of serving and stretching because we're like going, I just, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. And, and, and we fill our lives with all these different things. We're like, Lord, I, I don't have anything to give. And God's like going, well, what do you have? Bring it to me. And I think this is actually a profound act of faith. To say, God, I recognize what I have. It ain't a lot. But Lord, it's here for your use. It's here for you. You see, serving has a way of stretching us. I think sometimes in our lives, we allow our limits to define our availability. Rather than what it is that God is calling us to be and to do. And, and this is where I think faith begins to say, okay, God, I'm available. Because God can do so much with a little in and through our lives. What we have to do is we have to bring what we have to Jesus and place it in His hands. He goes on to say, in verse 14, second half of verse 14, but he said to his disciples, they're like going, you know, there's 5,000, this is all we have. And Jesus says to the disciples, we'll have them sit in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so and everyone sat down, which is this beautiful story of how do you feed a multitude? You, you just can't be throwing bread out because if, you're, if, you, don't, if, if you don't serve in, in wise manners, the only people who are going to experience are the strongest, the fastest, or the closest to the front. But what is God's desire? What is Christ's desire? Is that everybody may share in heaven's bounty. I remember hearing somebody share on this passage once, and I love, I love what he said. I wish I knew his name so I could actually say, hey, you know, this person is just a genius, but I don't remember his name. But he said this, sometimes structure precedes the miraculous. That, that, that sometimes you, you actually have to get some stuff in order, in order that all, 
that every might, everyone might, might share. And, and I, I think about this in regards to the church because do you know what part of the responsibility of the church is? It's to help provide structure so that all the followers of Jesus might find a way by which they can serve people. If you read Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 has a really interesting passage about what is it that pastors are supposed to do. And if you read the passage, it, you, know what it, you know what it doesn't say? It says, you know, like God gave gifts to the church, like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And you go, well, what are they supposed to do? Right? And, and, and you know what's great? I'll tell you what it doesn't say. They are supposed to preach the word, though they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's other places where it talks about that, but in Ephesians 4. You might say, well, it's to lead worship, to help everybody sing well, to plan events. Do you know what it says the responsibility of the, of the gift of pastor is to be? Is to equip the saints for the ministry. That the role of the church is actually to help empower you to serve other people. It was not intended to be a place just where you can come and sit, just get something and go. The church is to be a place by which people are, are empowered and encouraged and released to do ministry. That's our heart. To, to get people in the game, to, to begin to use what they have to, to impact hearts and lives. And this is why I say sometimes structure precedes the miraculous because what Jesus wants to do in this moment is miraculous. It's beyond what we would expect if we were in that situation. You see, Jesus ultimately wants to share his goodness with each person. I want you to stop and think about it. Do you know how many people live approximately in the town of Lansing? Approximately 11,000 people. Approximately. Could you imagine all of Lansing shows up in one place and Jesus is like going, you know what? I got something for everyone. How many think that would be pretty awesome? And how many think it would be awesome if he did it through us? Because that's his heart and his desire. And you know the rest of the story. It says taking five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples and uh, gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He gave them to the disciples to distribute. And what we need to understand is that Jesus meets the needs of others through his followers. I want you to hear that. Jesus meets the needs of others through his followers. You see, as we, as we do this stuff, as we, as we follow Jesus, he calls and challenges us to serve because there's a grace that he wants to deposit in you so that it might flow through you and impact another person, another life, another family. You see, we're a part of a team. We are called to work together. And I think as you reflect on the crowd, I mean, on this story, I think there are, you know, one of the things to consider, what, what was the privilege of the crowd and what was the privilege of the disciples? Do you know what the privilege of the crowd was? 
they got to eat. And how many know eating is a good thing? I bless the Lord, O oh my soul. We like our good food. And it actually tells us they all ate and were satisfied. That means that there was grace that was sufficient to satisfy the hearts of every person that was there. That was the privilege of the crowds. What was the privilege of the disciples? Watching the miraculous happen. Did they get to eat bread? Oh, yeah. Did they have some fish? Yeah. But you know what their privilege was? And this is why I believe it's in every one of the books is because they watched God do something miraculous through their own hands. I think the question is asked in, in Matthew when, you know, the, Jesus is like, what do you got? He's like, we got five loaves, two fish. And then they ask the question, how far can they go among so many? And Jesus is like, watch what I will do through you. And he breaks it. And he gives a little bit here and says, okay, go hit that group over there. And just begin to serve them. And they break it. And they never come to the limit of the bread. And they give a piece of fish. Hey, give a piece of fish. And they never come to the limit of the fish. Because God has enough for everyone. And this is important because often we are serving at the level of our limit. And we're not mindful that we are called to serve at his limit, which is way more than what we have. What he asks is that we use what we have for his glory. And it says in verse 17 that they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You're like, God is just showing off now. Because not only did everybody eat, but there were 12 baskets, basketfuls left over. Do you know what that means? He had room to bless even more. And I love it because he, he made the disciples pick it up. I, I love it because serving people can be fun. How many know serving people can be fun? If you've ever been in the service business, people can be fun to serve because... I can just imagine as you're, you're the disciple handing out some bread and you're watching miracles take place in your hand and they're like going, no, I don't want an end. I want, I want one without crust, right? How many of you get, you get kids like that? You're like, fine, here's without the crust, right? Is there any jelly to go with this? You're like, no, it's just bread, right? Here's your fish, right? I don't want the fin. I want, you know, whatever it is, right? You know how people are. But there's a grace that God wants to give and, and, and what I love about the story is the disciples before the story have been serving and working and they're burdened and they're like going, we don't have enough to send the people away. And then Jesus is like, no, they don't have to go away. What do you got? We got five loaves, two fish. Okay, put them in groups, go feed them. And you could imagine trying to get 15,000 people in groups of 50. Could you just imagine it's like herding cats? Just sit down, no, stay down, right? And you finally get all that coordinated. And then Jesus is like, okay, here's the bread. Go start taking it. And they're feeding everybody, breaking stuff off. And there's excitement and joy. And everybody's like, this is delicious. And the crowd is finally fed up, like satisfied, fed up. And they're like, okay, we're going. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, by the way, disciples, we're not done yet. It's time to clean up. 
They're like going, oh my goodness, really? Do you know how hard I worked? How many know that ministry doesn't end with the event? Ministry ends with the cleanup. Can I get an amen on that one? Come on now. I've seen some of you. Ministry's over and you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm gone. Do, 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 do. Like, wait, ministry's not done until, right? This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. That doesn't mean we're just going to sit around, just talk, 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 talk. It's like, hey, what we're doing, we're helping, right? Because Jesus is like, listen, this serving changes people. It changes lives and changes stories. And there's a grace that gets deposited through the serving. You see, I believe that God's trying to stretch us to be a people that, that, that reflect and, and serve. Because there's an abundance of grace that God has for the communities that we're a part of. For the men, for the women, for the children. It was the reason that Jesus came. Jesus came not for a select few. He came because he loved the world and he gave his life for whoever would believe in him. And it was more grace than we could ever imagine. You see, our faith grows as we allow Jesus to stretch our serving. And, and, and I look, because again, we are made, like we are, we are made as we follow, as, as we begin to enact, as, as we begin to follow Jesus, doing the things he's called us to, as, as we begin to do them, there's a transformation that takes place in us. So how do we begin to stretch our faith? Number one, we need to sign up. We need to sign up. There's this great story in Isaiah chapter 6. It's in, the, it's in a time of transition. It's a time of uncertainty. And God asked this question. Who will go for us? Who will go for us? And I think this is so important because sometimes we think, well, God is God. He'll take care of it himself. But what we miss is that God works through people. And so he asked the question, who will go for us? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, his response is simply this. Here am I, send me. Like here I am, like all my imperfections. How many of you, you, you looked in the mirror this morning and you realize you are still not a perfect human, be human being, right? Some of you, you're sitting next to someone you know is not a perfect human being too. Right, Chrissy? Yeah, amen. I told you this message was for you, Pat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in all our imperfection, God says, who will go for us? And simply to have a heart that says, God, here am I, send me. Like, is my life busy and full? Yeah, but, but here am I. Send me. Do, do, do I feel like I don't have enough skill and talent and all these things? <laughs> Here am I. Send me. Never underestimate what God can do 
through your life. And the problem is, I find, is so often we don't even give him the chance to do it. This is why we need to sign up. Secondly, we also have to step up. That means we actually have to say, okay, I I am going to commit myself to, to serving, serving others, getting involved, being a part of a team, moving from just watching to working. I grew up in, when I grew up in church, we were always looking for fat workers, right? Faithful, available, teachable. Some of you are like looking around, faithful, available, teachable. Part of it is stepping up and saying, you know what, I'm going to be the kind of person that's faithful. That, that means that, that if, I, if I say I'm going to be a part, I'm going to serve, I'm going to help, then you know what, I'm going to be faithful to what I say, and I'm going to step up, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to be uh, available. Hey, how can I help you? What, what would be, how, how can I serve you today? And being teachable. Because part of it is sometimes we're like going, I'll serve as long as I get to serve my way. We, we do like Burger King, right? I'll do service my way. And sometimes we become unteachable. And part of it is saying, God, would you, would you help me learn so I can serve more effectively? We have to step up. The last thing I would note that if we're going to stretch our faith, there's signing up, stepping up, and lastly, serving up. Um, you guys notice all the ups in it. What do I mean by serving up? It's the recognition that I am honoring God and I am worshiping Him, worshiping Him through my service. Jesus will tell a story in Matthew chapter 25. He says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And, and there's this aspect, like when we serve another person, and, and, and they, they may be cantankerous, they, they may not be a perfect human, they may, may need to, they may be a person that was abundantly obvious, they need grace in their life. And you serve them with the love of Jesus that you're not just serving that person, you're serving your Savior. And, 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 I, and I, th- I think about our lives because sometimes we're like, well, how do, I, how do I honor Jesus? Like, He rescued me, He saved me, He has forgiven my sin. How do I honor Him? You begin to serve Him. We begin to serve the people around us in His name and with His love and with His grace. And even when we feel like, oh, you know what? I don't know if I have the words to say. I don't know if I have the strength. I, I don't know if I have the time. You just, Jesus just simply says, hey, why don't you just give me what you've got and watch what I'll do with it. You see, it's about serving up, saying, Jesus, this is for you. Our serving becomes an expression of our gratitude. It's the recognition that He served us by giving His life and His all so that we might know forgiveness in life. And because He has served us, we follow His example and we serve others. Our faith grows as we allow Jesus to stretch our serving. Do you know what my prayers for your life? Worship team, you can come on up. Do you know what my prayers for your life? That you would have the opportunity to, wit- to witness the miraculous.
Because that's what serving gives you an opportunity to do. Where, where, where you begin to see God's grace begin to work and transform a heart and life simply because you showed up to serve. Where, where you said, you know, I may not have had a lot of time, but I'll take the time that I have. And God, here, here's some time, Lord. This is what I have. Lord, would you use it? And he begins to take the little time that you have, that you commit to him in honor to serve him, and watch what he does with it. And all of a sudden, you begin to see lives beginning to change. Like, my, my prayer for you is that you would actually experience the miraculous in your life. That you would see the, the grace of God manifest in ugly situations and, and, and you just look from the outside like, oh my goodness, this is a train wreck. It's going nowhere. This is just going to get real messy and ugly. And God says, listen, I've got something good that I want to get to them. And you say, okay, I'll do my part. And you begin to serve and you begin to love and you begin to help. And all of a sudden, God begins to change that situation. You know what's kept me in ministry? For as many years as I've been in it, what's kept me at Asbury Church is watching God transform lives. Like, I got to tell you, I have watched people who have um, been caught in addiction, like who, whose lives are like wrecked by it. I've watched God change lives and families. I've watched people who had no hope. All of a sudden, God began to whisper something in their heart, and they began to see beyond the junk that they were in, and they said, I'm going to choose to follow, and they have followed Jesus. And did it make all their problems go away? No, but you know what? They are experiencing a good they would never have experienced without the love and grace of God. They're just little miracles. And it's not even the stuff that happens from a stage. It, it, it happens in, in just the coming and going of life where you're saying, you know what, I am choosing to serve beyond my limit. I might feel a little tired right now. I, I might feel like I don't have enough resource. But you know what? I believe that in this moment, God is calling me to make a difference. And so I'm going to step in and I'm going to begin to serve another Because we still serve a God who does miraculous things. He's still the God who heals. He's still the God who transforms. He's still the God who satisfies. And the challenge is simply this. Would we, would we allow Him to stretch us? Would we begin to take away the excuse of our own limitations? I don't have time. I'm too busy. When we begin to set those aside and say, God, here am I. Just simply send me. And bringing to him what it is you have and allowing him to do something amazing. If we'll do that. We'll stretch our faith. Not just in our belief, but in our behavior. I believe God's going to begin to, um, to show up and show off. Because He is so desirous 
to bring good to people around us. There are people in your sphere, your orbit, that you're walking through life with that are experiencing pain and heartache and there's a hunger in their heart. And God has strategically placed you to be a servant of good. Will you serve? Will you get past your own limitations, your own fears? See, we are made by following. We are made by following. May we not just be a church that sits, but may we be the church that serves. That the goodness of God would touch and change lives. Let's pray. Father, you love us. And Lord, I thank you that we are made by following. And that God, you want to stretch us. And God, would you forgive us for all those times where we allow our limitations to be the reason we don't serve. Lord, somebody served so that we might hear your grace and your goodness. Someone was stretched and set in motion that that our lives might be touched and transformed by your good. Lord, here we are, your children, your people. Lord, we give our lives for the one who gave his to us. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say this this morning, Lord, here am I. Send me. With all your faults, with all your limitations, And you'd just be like going, God, would you stretch my faith that I might see your good miraculously change people around me? That's you this morning. Would you just raise your hand? See all those hands. Father, here we are. Lord, I thank you that there's a work that you want to do in our hearts and in our lives and through our lives. God, we are available. Lord, we are here to serve for your glory and for the good of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.